95 episodes? 92. 92. 392. We'll, we'll never know what we're doing. Oh, and that's how we like it. That's, I, that's I, just I how like we like home. it. Hopefully YouTube's working. Welcome to Beerfield. I am your host at Beerfield Hop with two Ps, Chris Hopper, as always, joined by at Beerfield Thury and at Ryan Miner underscore FFB, Dan Thury, Ryan Miner. What's up, guys? What's going on? So I didn't do a crafty punchline and I got the whole intro right. So I think that might be the, the trick to not screwing up Twitter handle or something. You know, I am very proud of you. It's 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 great because this is my Friday. We're going tubing this weekend with a bunch of us. There's like 20 of us going at some place in Missouri. Yeah. And, uh, hmm. Current River? I don't know what it is. I have no clue. It's the place my wife always goes with her friends. I don't remember what it's called. All I know is I haven't gotten tubing in like 15 years. And, uh, it's going to be fun. If you're uncultured, tubing's where you float down a river in an inner tube drinking cheap beer. Or just seltzers, whichever. Or yeah. seltzers. <laughs> no, I'm only bringing seltzers. I'll bring some to sell, but that's for that's for the non-river. Fair enough. I'm running a 13. Well, running the event staff for not running the whole event. Poor Drew has been <laughs> busting his ass to put up an event. We got one of our four major events going on on Saturday: a bourbon and brews. So, 1,300 people, 12 food trucks, 300 plus labels of whiskey. A lot of beer. A lot of beer. We're doing stuff. So, that'll be pretty fun. And hot. Although, only 90, thankfully. It's too hot. It's too hot. Oh my god, yeah, it is. Too hot. Uh, we are presented by the FF Faceoff. FFFaceoff.com. Make sure you go check out all of the wonderful work that the writers are doing. All of the articles. Check out um, Anthony Cervino and their podcast and 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 and, 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 and mental health podathon july 16th and 17th so quite the list of people building up for that so you should check out everything that they're doing um and everything that we're doing which today is more from around the league it's it's still hype season it's ota season so we're gonna continue our uh our off-season efforts and breaking that down and trying to pick through it. What do we believe? What do we not believe? What's going to be true? What's not going to be true? Because we know better than the beat writers. Yeah. Fuck them. And then we're going to get into the phenomenon that is the Scott Fishbowl a little bit. we got a first-timer here with us. So a little bit about, you know, what it is, how to enter, what's the scoring, and what strategies do you use as you go into it and, you know, how it differs from, or make it maybe a, a regular draft. So we'll spend some time on that. Um, as always, though, before we get going, we do have beer. Um, I almost brought on PBR and then thought better of it. So I like PBR. What? Who the fuck are you? Ryan? Do you have two Ryans on here now? Dude, I said I didn't. I just had some PBR left, and I'm like, huh, PBR sounds good. I had a brew day on Saturday. I made a weed ale, 
and I was drinking PBR. I just I had an urge in Casey's at nine AM, so I bought a six liter PBR. <laughs> it's good beer. That's why. It's something. What's fueling beer fueled? Ryan, we'll start with you. We've got a disproportionate word count going on right now. I am drinking Founders Unraveled IPA. It's a juicy India pale ale. So I've already been three beers in because I just did a podcast right before this. Even so better. We'll see how this is. Yeah, right? So I'm still kind of kind of loose. Drunk right Ryan? I don't think we've no. seen Drunk Ryan before. This would be. Oh, a... You won't see Drunk Ryan. It's just loose Ryan. We need to get Drunk Me back on our show. <laughs> That was fun. <laughs> Depends what levels of drunk we get. <laughs> or how much bourbon we're pouring. <laughs> There's only two. Perfectly normal. And <laughs> yeah, holy hell, two. he's gone. <laughs> holy hell, he's gone. It's been around once. <laughs> 391 yeah. episodes of normal. Takes a while there. to get there. Usually doesn't yeah, show up until does. 2 a.m. But when, when do we get there? What do you got, or, Dan? You know, I, I'm, drinking, uh, I'm drinking some evil horse. These guys are out of Creighton. Or Crete, Illinois, which is near the Indiana border, just super south of uh, Chicago, apparently. I was doing a tasting, and uh, me and these guys were sh- were sh- sharing a table because there's a lot of different breweries there. So got to talk with the brewmaster and his wife for about three hours, and I'm drinking their their Lug Wrench Lager. This is the this is an American toasted lager, not toasted, but it comes off very toasted. Um, yeah. Got to keep the theme of the basics on. I don't think I put this one on yet. I picked it up when I was in Louisville a couple weeks ago. Um, this is Sweet Baby Swirl from Duclaw Brewing Company out of Baltimore, Maryland. It is a chocolate peanut butter white stout. So it's a stout, vanilla, lactose, coffee, other natural flavors. White stouts are one of my favorite beer styles. So, And I love white stouts. I do love white stouts. That's why I have a white stout on. does look like a white stout very gold youtube beer field fantasy podcast by the way <laughs> great, at beer field great. on twitter uh great great well, radio yeah wherever you get your stuff <laughs> just here's my goddamn great radio because we're doing radio right now like there's not a video component to this at all huh you know you have, you know, faces for radio, but... Of course, to, I had to go back and make sure there actually was a video component to this. <laughs> there is. Again, we're really good at this. I've only been doing this like five weeks now, so I'm good. <laughs> News. And we know how you know you've only been doing this for five weeks. Dan knew to pause because there was a drop coming, <laughs> and you just... As soon as I hit it, started docking again. It was it was fucking perfect. <laughs> it's like witnessing ourselves, you know, from the bats. All right. We're going to run through this. Some of this is news. Some of this is coach speak. We'll pick through what we need to assess what we need to. Starting off, Alvin Kamara bracing for a suspension of at least six games, following some punches thrown in a Vegas nightclub. So um, we kind of knew that something might come out of this. Six games, I think, is probably heavier than I was anticipating, given the uh, NFL's track record. I wonder if uh, I mean it says he's bracing, which means I'm assuming he'll appeal. Does he? He doesn't have a track record, though, does he? This is his he's first. Been, I thought he's been suspended once before. 
I don't, I don't remember. If he has it, I can see him getting uh, the suspension reduced. But he also may accept it. You know, be out for six games or more. And we've seen that happen before with the likes of Cream Hunt. But Cream Hunt also had a pass. You know, prior to that. So I guess we'll see. I think as a video come out, as a one, I'm starting to wonder now. I completely. I'm not going to be lying. Like this has been, I, I, I barely think about this. Like, like it was news when it came out, and then it just kind of just went away until you hear little rumblings of people saying, "You know what, Joe yeah. Camara, he's probably going to get suspended." And then now we get that he's okay. racing for uh, six games. I'm wrong. He had some college stuff, but he didn't have anything yeah. at the NFL level. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this gets reduced to like two or three. It just depends. I guess it depends how many games he actually gets. Well, and. You know, then you go from there, right? And what do you do? Because the Saints don't have much of a passing game either, so they're going to use the running game. Mark Ingram right now is his backup, who is not, you know, he's not the same Mark Ingram he was during his first stint in New Orleans. And then you know, you have Dwayne Washington, who hasn't been a thing for, I don't know, years. Uh, and Tony Jones, who people thought was going to be a thing, and then he wasn't. So if he is suspended six games, I would be surprised if the Saints don't add a a little bit to this, but it's going to be a hot hand approach, and I don't really know who the hot hand's going to be. I'd imagine Ingram gets the first crack at it, but you know, I'm not sure how much he's got left. Well, plus, like, you got to look at it, too. Who's going to get traded to New Orleans right now also? There could be rumors that someone from, like, Las Vegas, like Kenyon Drake, could go there, even. Mm-hmm. Depends who's available, too. You know, you got some free... I'm trying to remember what, what free agents are out there. They don't have to worry about addressing this this second. They can wait till some August cuts um, to yeah. see who gets dropped. You know, you're going to see some surprises. As Hopper mentioned, there's no way Mark Ingram, they're just going to give him this massive workload. Um, depends, I guess, where Michael Thomas is and his, re- you know, during his recovery. You're just going to probably see a lot more passing. And, um, so it just this offense is like I already don't like this offense, and it just makes it crisp if he's out there. So there is one name that jumps out as here's who's available right now: Tariq Cohen, who just hurt himself on a live stream; David That's Johnson, sad. who visited and left without a contract; Jalen Richard, who's not much; Devonta Booker, who actually looked decent in pinch hit duty for the Giants last year; um, Carlos Hyde, who de- didn't look great. Malcolm Brown, who's not done much since he left the Rams. Latavius Murray, who the Saints cut. Devonta Freeman, who looked good in some limited duty last year with Baltimore. So I'd imagine that if they do go out and grab somebody based on who's here, that Devonta Freeman and Devonta Booker, both wrong side of 30, but guys that had some success last year that can be had for cheap in pinch hit duty, um, you know, might end up on this roster. Some other names that are available... Um, Kalen Balaj is out there for because for some reason he won't die. Peyton Barber, Alex Collins, Corey Clement, who's had some NFL success. Uh, Wayne Gallman, who's had some NFL success. Jeremy McNichols was just cut, who's shown some flashes. So, uh, but your biggest names and Justin Jackson, who's actually looked really good every shot he's been given, is still a free agent, and that would be hella intriguing given the type of player he is. I can see, I can totally see Devonta Freeman just given 
just given his track record in the history. The NFL loves to go after mm-hmm. veterans who were, you know, productive three, four years ago, at least in their heyday, and sign them and act like they're the same fucking player. Um, this is a good offensive line, at least a decent, above average offensive line. And they should be able to compliment mm-hmm. um Mark Henry well. And Freeman can kind of do it all too. So Mark help. Did he just say but, Mark Henry again? No, I said I, I totally maybe said I, I think I think so he much. said Mark Henry again. Ah, uh, well, you know, if he keeps <laughs> eating, maybe he'll become Mark Henry. It's but anyways, true, yes. And then I also like Booker in that. I like as much as I want to see Justin Jackson there. I just don't. Yeah, I, I, I think the Saints are going to go I the way of a veteran think, with yeah with history. And I think if this comes down right, I mean Ingram, like I said, he's going to get the first shot at it, or at least get to split it with somebody. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's another veteran. Um, so wait for this to come down. I don't think the answer's on the roster if you're drafting today. So don't get like overexcited about Dwayne Washington or Tony Jones or whatever if that's happening right now. Because I don't think the answer, the the full piece of this picture, pu- puzzle piece of this picture. You don't look at Abram Smith as anything right now? I just pulled up. I've been drafting him because he's pretty, he's pretty much been free or just picking up. I don't. Yeah. Him. Well, I think I, don't know what to tell you. I, I think that the Saints putting look, I mean, there's going to be guys in the mix, right? But I don't think that they look at Abram Smith and be like, yep, college free agent. We've got Alvin Kamara covered. <laughs> yeah, you know, I you hope know, not. You know, I hope not. At what's there now? Like you said, you're not looking at there. What's now as, as the week one starter? Someone else is going to be the week one starter. It's going to be a hot hand approach. I just think that they're going to add more opportunities to have the hot hand. Yeah. Mark Ingram would be the week one starter. The question is, who else is going to rotate in with him to try to get that hot hand hot hand approach? Because it won't be just him. Uh, Dan Snyder conducted a shadow investigation in an attempt to discredit his accusers. So. More shit on Dan Snyder. I wish he just fucking go, go like, away. I wish the owners just vote him the fuck out. Like for God's sakes, the guy is a human piece of garbage. Like, can we just get him the fuck out of here? Yeah, ship him off to an island where he can't fucking do anything besides molest himself. <laughs> just <laughs> jerk off island. Yeah, just just him, him, and we'll put Watson over there, and they can just. Give himself each other. You know, they could just give each other massages. <laughs> Nightly circle jerks. <laughs> they could play Limp Biscuit over there. Hey, speaking of circle jerks, Robert Woods should be the Titans' number one option to open the season. If he's healthy. Uh, but there's another report that projects, uh, let's see, that Traylon Burks is going to be the three. Austin Hooper is one of Tannehill's favorite targets. So it sounds like right now, as things come out in camp and you they assess where players are, and who's going to open on the pop? Who's not going to open on the pop? The Titans are leaning towards, it wasn't just one report, that Robert Woods actually will be healthy to start the season. It's impressive. So, and fully expect his ADP to fly up. He's not going to be this uh, cheap come yeah. in redraft season. Well, and, yeah. And as you break it down, like they see Nick Westbrook, he is a two, who he had some moments last year, but was never super consistent. Traylon Burks has been set back by some of the difficulties he's had with asthma and not being able to participate in OTAs, not being able to learn the offense. He'll have a role and probably come on as the season goes. But Robert Woods might be the safest bet there. Um, but also, 
you know, Austin Hooper was had a breakout season in Atlanta, went to the dysfunctional offense that is the Browns that didn't work for any receiver. Now he lands in another offense that, you know, historically has actually been pretty good to tight ends. Any chance for an Austin Hooper bounce back? I can see it. Absolutely. I mean, John New Smith had a good, good season every time he went to New England. So mm-hmm. how can Austin Hooper, I mean, to perform as a high-end tight end too, even a low-end tight end one week, I don't see that out of the picture at all. And I guess is what Tannehill has done in the future. We also got to remember this is going to be a run first offense. You lose your first round pick, your replacement of AJ Brown. You still have, yes, ahead of schedule, Robert Woods, who's still coming off of a major injury and coming back early. So I wouldn't be surprised because he's not fucking Cooper Cup that if he gets off to a slow start. And then Nick Akeen Westbrook is just a fucking guy. Like, I'm not saying this is a Justin Jefferson situation, which has been plastered all over Twitter when that got announced. It, it, it's this offense is going to lean even heavier, I think, into the running game. And if they get up or if they can always keep within, it's like, sure, like go out and draft Austin Hooper. He's going to be double digit around tight end anyways. Who fucking cares? Like take that shot. Um, Hopefully it works and it hits for you guys. I, 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 I really don't care either way about Austin Hooper. I don't really don't care about this passing offense too much, but. Someone's got to catch passes, and if Woods does get off to a slow start because he's coming back early from his injury, then maybe Hooper is the one that's the most beneficial from it. Well, I'd also keep an eye on Kyle Phillips, too, as a pass. That's catcher, right, yeah. He'll have a slot receiver there. Slight white, white slot, re- or slot receiver. Yeah. <laughs> the thing you is, is that there's not going to be enough to them. go around and make everybody productive in this offense. They threw no, 530 no. times last year. There's not going to be enough target volume for that. Um, you know, the tight end is an interesting position to target because to be a solid tight end, you don't need a ton of targets to slide up into that tight end five to eight range. And it's a guy that did produce previously. And really going back and looking at some of Smith's early seasons, I mean, he, you know, had Charles Clay at 84 targets and Jordan Cameron at, at 70. And even though, they didn't produce at a high level. If you look at that volume when he's had, you know, tight ends getting you know, 70 to 80 targets, then that plays, especially in the double digit rounds. Yeah. And as long as he doesn't go up too much, which, I, which I don't expect him to, I think most people are not, uh, not going to go on the Tennessee that, no. offense, especially in the passing offense. But I think Hooper is a very much a fine option in double digit rounds as a you know, it's a stream-worthy tight end, especially one for premium if you play in those leagues. Right. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, Chris Godwin expected open season on the pup. Rob Gronkowski retired again, and that leaves Russell Gage as number two to start the season um, without a lot of competition for target volume. Is Russell Gage going to be a thing in the first part of this year? Is that somebody... That if the capital doesn't go through the roof, you grab as a as a trade piece um, and, and draft at value. The Athletics thinking he'll surpass his career high of four touchdowns, and I think there's a pretty good possibility that might happen by week six. So, um, you know, and even when Godwin does come back, it's not like third wide receivers haven't had serviceable weeks as and aren't rosterable plate pieces here. So. I absolutely love. I'm for it. Yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, 
this without Gronk, without a real third passing option, even just as you said, Opera, even with Godwin when he comes back, Gage is still going to be a part of this offense. And we've seen throughout the last year and a half with you know with the healthy Evans, Godwin, and and Brown and Gronk. All those guys were at some point productive during those weeks. So Gay should always be a flex option at worst. And then during Godwin's time, he could be a mid to high end wide receiver too, based on, on those projected volume. I mean, it's Tom Brady in this offense. They're going to throw the ball at shit. Ton. Yeah. 24th and target separation in the league is, was not bad. Not much of a contested catch guy, but you know, did some things after the catch as well. So, you know, it's nothing flashy, nothing that's going to dominate, but in high volume, it's going to be a, a nice piece, you know? Mm-hmm. So, then you get behind that. And that leads into another question. So, how do we, I think it's worth talking about, too, because as I've looked at ADPs and where people are going, there's a lot of things that aren't attractive. And part of that is because you got a lot of people that are coming off of injuries that are eligible to, you know, that may not start the season healthy. Um, you know, former top guys like Michael Thomas off the ankle injury, Chris Godwin coming off the knee injury, Michael Gallup coming off the knee injury, Robert Woods is a possibility. Odell Beckham not going to be back till till midseason with his late season injury. I mean, there's that list is something that just kind of goes on and on. Um, and is not void of names. So how do you value guys like, you know, and it's it's going to be different for so kind of generally speaking, like you're not going to value Gallup the same as Godwin, but Gallup has value. So, you know, how do you, how do you value these guys that are maybe draft and stash on IR for the first few weeks of the season for the long term run, um, like getting a superstar in a trade mid year? How how far do you discount them before you're willing to jump at a guy that might miss the first six weeks? Like if I'm drafting right now, it's like I'm almost kind of pushing them down my draft board because it's like I don't really want them unless I'm getting them as my fifth or sixth type of wide receiver value. You know, if I got three or four good ones, I'm more comfortable having them as more as a five, six, knowing that they're going to be out that many weeks. And trying to take them that early, like if they're going like fifth, sixth round, I feel like almost reaching too much for them. And it's really going to depend on the player. As Ryan said, like I don't think there's a player that that we talked about that should go before round five, round six anyways. I mean, Godwin's probably the closest to it. If we had a more comfortable timetable on Thomas, which I think we can, I think as the offseason goes around, we may be able to get more information on that and, and then have a better idea, especially if if he's supposed to come back during Kamara's, you know, suspension too. Um, there's, I mean, we can also throw Kamara into this mix. You know, he's not hurt, but he's, he's slated to miss potentially at least six games. Um, which is almost, which is pretty much half of your fantasy season. Um, so a guy like him will probably go the earliest, but I mean, this is the risk we take. You can take them now and then try to stack backfields because most of the leagues that you're drafting him, yes, you probably have to draft a kicker and a defense for those casual leagues, but you don't have to have them right away. Yeah. So, so, so if you're drafting later, this is why you don't need to take them now hold on to backups and wait and see how things play out. Mm-hmm. So here's kind of where those guys I mentioned are going. Chris Godwin right now, this is FF Calc is normal. Um, so still draft numbers are up a little bit, but still not in the heart of this yet. Chris Godwin right now is going at the 408. 
Um, behind DeAndre Hopkins, who's suspended. Ahead of Terry McLaurin, who's in a contract dispute. Um, behind Michael Thomas with the ankle injury. Ahead of Amari Cooper, who's in the hellscape that is Cleveland. The Browns purgatory. Yeah, with an uncertain (laughs) QB situation. So, I mean, it's like there's clearly a spot right now where guys that have uncertain situations are kind of being valued before you get to, like, Michael Pittman, DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, or right behind guys like Deontay Johnson and Jalen Waddell. Um, Then... Let's see, further down, I think the next one I saw was Robert Woods, who's going behind Adam Thielen, Mike Williams, ahead of Hunter Renfro, and Jerry Judy. What running backs are going in that area? Miles Sanders, A.J. Dillon, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon. I would. I mean, that's. Yeah, you that can just pivot better. to another position. Yeah. Like, this is, yeah. this yeah. is where. And around knowing here. these things and knowing where these guys are going, mm-hmm. we can kind of create a positional value where you don't have to worry about trying to draft yep. a guy who's supposed to miss the first six weeks of the year. And around Godwin, it's Jacobs, Edwards, Alaire, Fournette, Damian Harris, James Conner, Travis Etienne, Cam Akers. Yeah, I really have those in any of the wide receivers there now. Yep, for sure. And then Gallup is going further down. I don't even see him at the That's moment. That's surprising that he's going. I figured he's go going behind. So he's at ten oh seven. He's going behind. That's fine. Devontae Parker, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Tony, ahead of Russell Gage, Kenny Galladay, Christian Kirk. Okay, God, the Christian Kirk man. The Christian Kirk hate. The hate man. Oh, that's so fucking. That, that it's gonna make him such a value. I mean, come on. Right? Like, oh, I don't want yeah. a guy that just set the market for a wide receiver on offense that's going to be top 10 in pass attempts. Ah, oh, fuck I, that. I, I, don't I don't want, want that. Wa- yeah. I don't want the wide receiver one from the Jaguars. No, thank you. I'll take him in the 10th round. I'll, yeah, I'll take absolutely. him in like this. Yeah. I'll take him in like this 7th or 8th round. Garbage time. I mean, yeah, Sixth right. If he's round, going the 10th round, I'll take him in the 8th round. There's so much volume. There's so much potential. But anyways, right. I mean, the, that's still a good spot for Gallup, too. Yeah. That's still, that's still a fine time to take these guys. If you have your wide receiver room set, obviously, if you're not, then you may want to pivot to someone that's going to give you production right away. But in general rules, look at how you're building. If you've got three wide receivers that can go ahead of them, like if you're using a zero RB strategy, then, you know, maybe, yeah, you go a little earlier. But, you know, you're going to lose six weeks of productivity. So you got to you got to plan that. Look at other positions. Look away from the wide receiver position when you. You get there, and if you are dead set on one of these guys, then, you know, my general rule is I want to get them at, you know, at least a four-round discount, maybe even a five-round discount of where they would normally go. And Godwin's only at a two-round discount right now from where he would normally go. Maybe three, but... You're buying too high, I feel like, right now at that value. Well, we'll see what happens as we get closer, too, and... You know, some people are probably using this for Dynasty, which is going to skew that upwards, and there's only, you know, 100 or so drafts in the last week. So, we'll see. Well, yeah, Scott Fishbowl will also be a really nice indication as the draft started. Me, with the unique position, I'll have my teams drafted before any, most people start. Yeah. And there's only two cities that are doing their live drafts two weeks prior to the offline people doing theirs. So, yeah. Once we do mine, we'll go over it, and you know we can talk about some of the points. You know, I'll, I'll try to jot down some of the unique draft situations. 
All right. Uh, moving on, then. The Athletics' Mark Caboli writes, George Pickens will produce some splash plays as a rookie, but not enough to blindly start every week. Is there a point this year where you see George Pickens as a week-to-week start, or are you just looking at splash plays and matchups? Splash plays and matchups. I mean, that's... Yeah. It's one of the more obvious statements of... it's not That's not an indictment on George Pickens. That's what your expectations should be for somebody that has a ton of talent, that played hurt a lot, and has question marks coming in. And, you know, as much as we think Trubisky's going to be fine, you know, doesn't necessarily have a, you know, what's, what's going to be a extreme passing offense necessarily and has a guy there that already commands targets in Deontay Johnson. Yeah. So, cool. Not a lot to discuss there then. Uh, this is a lot of things like that. Athletic is also reporting that Brees Hall is now the Batman to Michael Carter's Robin after OTAs. The Jets like what they see in Brees Hall, but right now the plan is to use both of them. Done. I think everyone should have expected that. Yeah, but, okay, so everyone should expect that they're both going to be used, but how much? What are we expecting for the split here between Hall and Carter? Because Hall can receive, so I don't see him coming off the field on third down always in favor of of Michael Carter, is it a change of pace type of role for Carter? You know, are we talking 70-30, 60-40, I think it starts off 60-40. I think there's a chance that we could see a lot of Brees Hall like towards the end of the season, and there's just that flat-out commitment. Yeah. Um, but it's not like they don't like Michael Carter. Right. And we have this much weaponry, you know, around Zach Wilson. Like I understand not wanting to take Mike, not wanting to take Priestall off the field, but Michael Carter still has a skill set that can be utilized, especially in that change of pace role. Who might just see a lot more of that to yeah. start the year and in space and as a receiver. And it's not that Priestall isn't a receiver. It's just you know, unfortunately, what may end up happening is you could end up with people pounding the table for Priestall to be used more as a receiver, just because of how good Michael Carter is in space. That may end like, up being his role. Seems like Jonathan Taylor year one. <laughs> it's just yeah. gonna be a lot of people like, why the fuck are we seeing so much Michael Carter? Yeah. I well, I see that. Yep. Even though I don't it's uh he didn't have the greatest splits with Zach Wilson when he was playing, but this offense, like we don't really know what the offense is gonna fully look like with how much weaponry they've added and with Zach Wilson in year two and hopefully being healthy for the whole year. Yeah, it's all just an assumption right now. We're hoping it's 60-40. I mean, they overhauled that. They pretty much overhauled the wide receiver room. Yeah, almost. they did. They overhauled they that another, whole offense. Yeah, I mean, it looks a lot. It's going to look a lot different than last year. Terrace Marshall was a standout at OTAs. Um, stock is, quote, rising. Right now, he projects as the Panthers' number th- three wide receiver behind DJ Moore. Uh, and Robbie Anderson. Robbie After Anderson Robbie. was contemplating retirement. <laughs> oh, I love it. I hope he retires. I think just ta- so we just so we can get away from Sand Arnold. Yeah. So I think with Terrace Marshall, the thing with him is that a lot of people expected your one breakout and you didn't get it. And if you really believe in a guy like Terrace Marshall, you've got to give it a little bit beyond one year. I mean, what's up, dude? 
You got to give it beyond one year. This is a, a situation where Terrace Marshall's coming in. Or not coming in. He's there already. It's the second year in the offense, but he's had a year to adapt. He wasn't this supreme producer coming out of college. He wasn't some, you know, a lot of people like the talent, but understanding he's going to be raw. You got to give that time. And you're going to have some opportunities here over guys like Richard Higgins, Shai Smith, Brandon Zilstra who are behind that. So the opportunity is there, but do you take a shot on that opportunity? I mean, he was historically bad last year. I mean, that's really where people come to when you start to look mm-hmm. at it's, it, is he worth taking a shot on? I mean, he's going to be free. Yeah, he's he not going to be drafted be in redraft leagues. He's already being, he's almost already being dropped in, in dynasty leagues, especially with smaller rosters. Um, where you don't have the luxury of you know to hold on to guys like him, um, he was just that bad. And like you, like he got replaced by Shy Smith at some point last year. It, it's I'm not saying that they're just going to give up on him. I think you really have to reset expectations. And I think if you're expecting anything from him, it, it's because of injury more so than him being a standout with a healthy DJ Moore. And if Rob Anderson doesn't retire, and it's also the Panthers. Yeah. And you get, you know, CMC back. It's, I don't expect this to be a high, you know, I don't expect this offense to move fast. I, and I expect it to be a lot of one and, you know, a lot of three and outs. That's just, yeah. But the, the Terran Marshall thing was like, you know, we're all really high on him last year. And I look at him more this year as more as like a Hail Mary, like going into the offseason. And now I kind of see him as like, he's, he's sort of moving up a little bit as like that dark throw. It's like, okay, you know, he could produce, he couldn't produce based off this news. Let's see what happens. Fair you enough. Be a first in, first out on your roster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 13 games and just 30 targets, 17 receptions is not necessarily what you want to see there, but it was bad. A lot of inconsistencies. It was really bad. I was super high on him last year, too, and I was like, dang A it. lot of us. I was in the same way. I mean, I mean, he was hyper athletic and he was big. It was just. You know his his breakouts came before um, the other the other standout you know freshman receiver. And then he goes out, and then the guy blows up, and we all just assume the third off the third weapon in that Joe Burrow offense was supposed to be the next this massive thing. thing. And, and yeah, we got a little spoiled. You know, you got Clyde who hasn't been anything. You have Marshall. You have two guys, a product of that historic offense being drafted probably higher than it should have been. Especially, I mean, obviously Clyde was, but you can probably include Marshall in there too now. Are you ready for some more tight end analysis, Dan? Oh, fuck. Let's go. Titans. Brady Henderson at ESPN thinks whichever quarterback starts for Seattle will be more inclined to throw to tight ends than Russell Wilson was. That's got it. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Again, I want to throw to Noah Fant when I have Deacon. Like I also would like to throw to Noah Fant, but I mean, I would rather throw to Noah Fant than not. Oh, and I also have DK Metcalf. But if my team's going to be behind, and I got to throw to more than just DK Metcalf. That one's got to catch the football. People I forget I about I Tyler mean, Lockett. Though, maybe too. what he's actually saying is is that you're not going to see as many you know you know deep shots. You know, Wilson has, has one of the best deep balls in football, and. Regardless of who it is, either Locke or Smith, it's you're not getting that from Wilson. So maybe it was his roundabout way of saying uh, don't expect as many deep shots. And well, 
and did, you'll get a guy like Noah Fant who is a mismatch most times. It, and here's my thing. This is really why this is on here because I wanted to look into it. Like Drew Locke didn't favor tight ends a ton. He had Noah Fant. And he had Noah Fant. <laughs> he had Noah Fant. And like hey, there's 87 tight end targets from Geno Smith in 2013 split up 2014 it was and Smith has rapport with both Metcalf and Lockett too you know stemming from last year so there's already that built-in chemistry 53 to Jason Morrow I mean that's a name yeah it's not like it's not like even if they are more likely to throw to tight ends it's still not like they're going to be peppering the tight end with volume that's immediately going to throw them into top eight contention no, and there's very little touchdown upside to him. Right. I think fan. I mean, I think fan could have some big games. Could have, mm-hmm. you know, close to 100 yards, five, six, seven receptions. As I said, offense is going to be so bad that the scored opportunity is going to be pretty low. And you already have a good, you know, red zone threat, DK. Yeah, I don't see fan producing this year. I see more of him. That we're going to draft him. That he's going to be one of those that we're also going to drop fast within the first few weeks. You're gonna be dropping him for you know for uh for Cameron Braith when he goes off week one. Right. I can't fucking wait. I can't wait for the two touchdown game from Braith. The two catches, twelve yards, two touchdowns. I'm calling it. Write it down. <laughs> I love Cameron. Calling Bray. it. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Oh, it's slowly. I, I never he's g- done that. I never gave I up. You did on that him. once last year. Never. You're the only one who never gave up on him. You're the only one. <laughs> I know. You, like your guys just seem to hang around like fucking cockroaches. Long enough to be relevant again. <laughs> Darion Davis Price is a good bet to emerge as a top, one of the top two options in the San Francisco backfield, and this matters because the top five options in the San Francisco backfield are relevant at some point during the season. Yeah. Yeah, he should. He should. He should be rostered. You yeah. should just roster as many San Francisco backs as yeah, as just all what seems possible. Right now, it's expected he's going to beat out Jermichael Hasty, Jeff Wilson, and Trey Sermon. And I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, I would hope so. I would. I would I'm with you. And you know, Elijah Mitchell did end up banged up at points. He's you know should be the unquestioned starter, but Shanahan's never used just one guy, so. And you also got to, you know, factor in uh, Trey Lance and his uses probably around the red zone. Like, I, I, I do not expect a whole lot of rushing touchdowns from these running backs, especially if Lance gets going right away. Um, You know, you get a guy his size and with his, you know, mobility, it, it could be Cam Newton-esque in terms of what he does around the red zone. Same with Josh Allen was the same way, too, during his first year as a starter, so... Touchdown upside doesn't look particularly uh, elite in that San Francisco backfield. No, I'm d- guessing. not unless Jimmy G is starting. <laughs> oh, my God. If he's not traded or cut. That, that, this is like the longest, like, what if, like, questions going on with him. It's like, come on, you know, are you guys keeping him? Are you guys dropping him? Are you trading him? What's going on here? And he's in a backup. Like, I, I still think he's extremely valuable to the Niners as a backup to Lance. Yeah, oh, I, I, I fully expect Lance to start this year, but Jimmy G is a very, very valuable backup. Like if Lance fails, you like you have the ultimate backup right now, and Garoppolo. If he gets hurt, go. if you said if he struggles, like 
He just he just brought him to the NFC Championship game. So, looking at some of these Kyle Shanahan backs, I love taking trips down memory name memory lane. Oh my god, there's R- got to be good ones. Out Ryan Terrain, Roy Halu, Tim Hightower, Roy Halu. Oh my god, Roy Halu. I remember Roy Washington. Halu. God, he dude, his profile is insane, dude. He's so athletic. He's nuts. Alfred Morris. That was RG three Corley right there. It was. <laughs> he made Alfred Morris so good. Uh, who else do we have? Yeah, Devonta uh, 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 Freeman, right? He should be on there. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm still at Washington. I haven't made it to it. Oh, yet. I haven't but made yeah, it. Okay. Devonta Freeman, Sorry. Tevin Coleman. I jumped um, the gun. Steve Slayton and somebody else. Steve Slayton. Steve Slayton. That's a name. Houston. The one-year wonder that we all are uh, super high on that next year. and Took him in the first round and just watch him bust. Yeah, it's, that's where it all started for us. Brevin Jordan expected to be the Texans' lead tight end. If anybody cares about that sort of thing, I don't care about the Texans. I think we expected him to be the lead tight end. Sean Watson so. settled twenty of the twenty-four lawsuits against him. The other four tied up in paperwork and expected to settle. I think after that's done is when the NFL makes their decision. <sighs> All right. Well, so with Kamara looking at six games, should we still see Winston at the whole season? Watson should be a full season. He's gonna get two. Just to, I hope he can. I, I think it'll be like release. It's gonna be just like release language. It'll be at least one year. I think it'll be in the same way. Yeah. And then he'll he'll try to apply for reinstatement next year, and we'll be at it again. Then NFL's gonna piss everybody off. Watson gets four games. Oh my god! Because they once again send a message. <laughs> They're gonna Ray Rice this. punching people in the face than anything. They're gonna Ray Rice this situation. You gotta try to put asses in those seats, man. Fuck him. Yep. Fuck him. Chenault looking a lot faster than he did in 2021. Coach speak. How, how, yeah, how would anyone know? Because they weren't even part of that coaching staff then. <laughs> There's one guy there, Ryan. He knows. <laughs> film, the man. Janitor. Film. The film. Film, brah. Arif Hassan of the Athletic Blues. KJ Osborne could see a boost for increased passing volume in the Vikings offense. And this I am actually on board with. Fuck yeah, you should. Um, KJ Osborne, especially when Thielen was hurt, I mean, and even when he wasn't, he had some good weeks. And, you know, they used him a lot as a deep threat, but he had some weeks where he was up above seven targets, and he was he was pro- productive with those. He had some, some very nice games, and if that volume increases, you know, he is the, the third guy. And Irv Smith working his way back from injury – you know, Adam Thielen, a lot of people expect to be on a downturn. You know, Osborne's a nice guy to have around as a is a fourth or fifth receiver on your roster that absolutely could pop. He's shown the ability to. He's shown the ability to produce. And, you know, if the Vikings offense does swing to something more pass heavy, I'm on board with KJ Osborne. Hello, Minnesota's version of Russell Gage. I mean, this is going to be one of the top passing offenses in football this year. They're going to throw more. They're going to be more inventive. They're going to modernize it. If they're this productive with the time fossil that was Mike Zimmer and his and his coaching staff, I believe it was uh, Clint Kubiak was the OC last year. Right. You're going to get, you take the Rams OC, you take the a more modern version of what we're going to see from them. Osborne has a chance. Like, I, I don't know if he'll all produce dealing. But he's going to have very productive weeks. He needs to be rostered, and he's going to be a flex option 
in those really good matchups. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. What do you want me to say? Okay, start with this one, then. we got to get your word count up. Ah, damn it. Uh, more reports yeah. out of Houston. Damian Pierce is getting plenty of opportunity to win the Texans' backfield. A conflicting report says they'll lean heavily on Marlon Mack. I think they'll lean on Marlon Mack until Marlon Mack can't be what they want him to be, and then they're going to put Damian Pierce in. So Damian Pierce could just start as easy within week two or week three, depending on how Marlon Mack is, but or also just turns into a committee of a one-two. Like Thomas Jones and Cedric Benson from back in the Bears' Lovey Smith days? There we go, yeah. And don't besmirk Rex Burkhead. League-winning uh, Rex Burkhead. He, he's like a 32-year-old running back now, isn't he? Uh, they leaned on those fucking guys last year. Like he's 32. 31, they leaned on, sorry. They leaned on those guys last year. 31, yeah. They did, but you get younger, you get a coach that does like to run the football. I'm being facetious, but yeah, I don't want any of them. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I don't, I like, I don't I want do. either. I don't want really anybody because I, I want Damian Pierce. Especially if this I'm playing... feels like Atlanta from last year, where it's just like we don't know who's going to be. We all, we all love Mike Davis, and look what I fucking happened. Yeah, but so it's a guys, different situation. Like when it's a different situation I, I though, did, because Mike Davis is a known commodity. Damian Pierce isn't. Marlon Mack was good before he hurt his Achilles. It's still a really, really bad offense that, I mean, that like they're going to factor in people left and right. It, it's going to, what? It's even more a of a reason for me to want Marlon Mack because he'll catch passes. Fine. We'll take the one that's going the latest. Yeah, I mean, Rex Burkett caught the passes for them last year, too. Yeah. That might be his role. Then we'll want Rexy. No, no just take the one who's going the latest. I'm going to want Rexy this year. I want Damian Pierce. I, I would. I, I want the one that gets dropped, and then you know we I, all pick I, up in week ten. I lean Damian so Pierce because I think he's gonna because it's the type of back that I think Lovey Smith likes, and he's gonna get a lot of work. And Marlon Mack, he kind of had that throwaway season last year, but to me that also means that Marlon Mack's gonna be cheaper, and I'd expect that if one of those two does get the passing work, it's gonna be Marlon Mack. I would lean on Mack. Yeah. I like Pierce. Hopper knows I like Pierce. I like Ryan Pierce too. I don't. But I like Pierce. Talking Pierce re- has never been a full time running back yeah. ever. Talking we redraft and PPR. Yeah, like you can't just assume that he's going to be a full time starter starting that. Like even at some point, I don't like bar an injury. I don't think he will. I think he'd be more the goal line back if they get down the goal line. And you want a goal line yeah. back on a bad fucking offense? No, Marlon Mack. And then probably Rex because he'll be cheap, which means you don't want none of buddy. <laughs> none of buddy. Marlon Mack if he goes up with the drums. You don't want Rex did, Burkhead. Did I hit my work count on that one? No. I mean Give me a few I more see words. a three way shot bet. It's gonna be the saddest <laughs> the saddest shot bet. I I get Rex Hopper gets Mac and Brian can I'll have Pierce. Dan, right. Dan is <laughs> out here going for Rex Burkhead six hundred uh, screaming jokes. <laughs> Who's the RB4 there? That I guess will probably be the one that wins out anyways. Uh, the RB4 is <laughs> Derek and Bawale. <laughs> it's going to be like Devonta Freeman oh, wait. signs mid-season. The, the RB5 is Royce Freeman. What? Oh, that's right. He got he got moved there last year. Oh. He, still, he still plays there? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
Yeah, they kept him over David Johnson. Oh. Watch David Johnson resign. It's Marlon Mack. Oh, God. I don't. I can't wait to not revisit this section when we all forget about it. <laughs> We're going to revisit this midseason. Oh. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be. I'm forgetting it. Oh. It's engraved now. One of these guys. Mac's probably going to get cut, so I'll be out of it before it starts. We're going to skip Hayden Hurst because I think we talked about him a week or two ago. Did we talk about Hayden Hurst a week or two ago? Probably. Paris Campbell has been featured extensively with the Colts' first-team offense. As he should. As long as he can stay healthy, he's exactly. another one of those guys that I think I want to take you know, a fourth wide receiver slot on and just throw it at him, especially if the price stays down and and see what you're going to get because people like him to be explosive. They like him as a T.Y. Hilton replacement. You know, why not? Someone's got to catch pass just sans Michael Pittman. Yep. It's about Allie it Cox. Be, it might be Jess. It might be Cox. Jelani Woods. Probably going to be Naeem Hines. Oh, yeah. Must have on the fantasy team. <laughs> Jelani Woods. Nine Hines. Yeah. Now, Paris Campbell, he, he hasn't gotten a shot yet. He's He's been too hurt, quarterback carousel. You know, there's big playability there. There's the ability to, to be a very solid wide receiver if he can stay healthy. So I think I buy this, that he is being featured, that he should be featured right now, um, and that there could be some volume there. Matt Ryan is not dead yet. I mean, he's had... He's had productive weeks when he's been healthy. He mm-hmm. doesn't have any double-digit target games, but he's got a he's got a nine he, he, nine targets on twenty eight routes in week one in twenty twenty. Like when he's the team's going to want to feature him in some sort of role, some sort of capacity. And I fully expect that to say. I, I, it depends. I mean, I'll be very much I'll be very much in trade to see because I can see Pierce, you know, fit more of that role as they kind of move not. Pittman's more the X flanker, and Pierce is their their through and through deep threat. And Campbell's probably their gadget guy, wide receiver, and bubble screens and shit like that. You know, put him in space and let him go to work. Well, that's assuming that you know. It's also making the assumption that Pierce cracks the lineup to to start the season, and that they don't run with Pittman and, and Pascal on the sets. outside and. Yeah. Well, that they I mean, don't. I, I would hope that I would hope that Pierce can beat out Pascal. I mean, mm, Pascal's not even there anymore. He's gone. I think, I think you're he, right. He Philadelphia. He's in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, that's right. Is he? Yeah, he went to the Eagles. Hold on. I mean, either way, I mean, it just the Colts have a have a very very shallow wide receiver room. Not to say that, yeah, maybe Pierce doesn't crack the spot, which. No, he never mind. He should. Well, Ashton Doolin, Kiki Kuti. I mean, they've right, got Doolin. a lot of Boy, people Doolin. that, and they re-signed Doolin too, so they like him. I mean, there's going to be a lot of competition for that that two three spot, I think. And Campbell has a leg up on it, even with just the offensive familiarity. That's the other thing with Pierce is you've got, you know, rookie second round pick. It's going to come have to come in, learn the offense, and build. You know, they're all going to have to build rapport with Matt Ryan, but you know, he doesn't have the offensive familiarity either. The Ashton Doolin and Paris Campbell do. So, I mean, yeah, we'll see. And, and again, who knows how valuable the number two is going to be in this offense? Like, I would say relatively. I mean, 
It's it may be all of them. Like it's flex value, basically. It might be one of those where we're trying to throw a dart, and I don't know if I want to throw a dart in this Colts. Actually, I, mean, this I like this offense, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to be that invested this outside of Pittman. This won't matter in training camp when Campbell gets hurt again. Oh. It'll be Ashton dealing. I'll make me and Miguel very, very, very happy. Uh, James White may begin the season on the pup. He uh, coming off okay. a hip in, hip injury. Uh, just retire. Pierre Strong looking like the best to fit bet to fill that role if White does retire, can't play, or starts the season on the pup. And really, that's an interesting one. You know, Pierre Strong was very productive, small school guy. Highly athletic. I think he does fit the James White role very, very well if he gets that opportunity. And and more so than guys like, you know, Kevin Harris or, or you know, Ramondre Stevenson, I guess, was working on his pass catching. Or Damian Harris. But Pierre Strong is more natural in that role. So this one's going to be interesting to see. He's got a good profile. It's the, That's comparable as Elijah Mitchell. It's the New England backfield. So as long as his value, you know, stays low, it's... It's probably worth taking the throw on at one of your turn positions. And Mac Jones isn't super mobile, and he will no. get the running back involved. Yeah, he will, and you know they're gonna have to find ways to to move the football. And if you got an explosive threat like that out of the backfield, then you know it's a pretty good way to do it. Uh, Commanders beat reports say Jahan Dotson looked electric in offseason practices. We talked about Dotson. He should easily be the two there for the Commanders. He might be the one if... Uh, he might be the one if McLaurin doesn't work <laughs> McLaurin things out. If McLaurin gets traded or is sold and out. Yeah. Like, I, don't I, I, that, I don't understand why he's holding out, though. It's like, come on, man. Just give it up. It's like you're not the best of the best wide receivers out there. So like, what do you hold? I never go for? against players in this choice. Because these pre- guys have an extremely limited time to make the money... Wide receivers are getting paid like a mofo, and he's produced for four years. You know, whether you believe that the trail off last season was things leveling out, and I kind of do, right? Um, he's still got multiple years of productivity that says that he should be paid and should get a long term deal. Yeah, he should be paid, but it's like I think when he's like when they hold out, the longer they hold out, it's like the more they're going to not have that connection with their quarterback there. So it's like. You know, you, well, you've only basically really produced wide receiver two numbers, so why should we? I get it, but I mean, again, the guy should go out there and try to get his paper. Again, these guys, I mean, they already get used well, and abused as is. So. Look who he produced wide receiver two numbers with, too. Yeah. Quarterback wise. Either so. way, you want Jahan Dotson. Yeah, you do. Wentz is a hot, you know, I mean, Wentz is a hot mess, but. Dotson's gonna produce, I think. Like he's got the scout set that's gonna that can easily see a early return on value. He may he may not reach high ceiling, but uh-huh. there's some floor to his game. Another one of those late round guys, I think that you know if he doesn't show up to come up too high, knowing that he's gonna be the second receiver in an offense that doesn't throw a a boatload, you know, in a defense that. You know, if healthy, has a really good pass rush. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Matt Corral struggled before the snap in Panthers camp. Color me shocked. <laughs> I can't wait for them. I can't wait for the Darnold Matt Corral uh, camp battle. 
where nobody wins. Where they trade for Baker Mayfield? When, when Baker Mayfield wins. They actually trade <laughs> or Matt, Jimmy G. They actually trade Sam Darnold to go back up. <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Jacoby Brissett, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the Falcons released Jeremy McNichols. But it's dead, may never die. Poor Dan. I'm just happy he's still in the league. And God yeah, damn it, he's still in my heart on and and on my fantasy rosters. Recently again, he's back on the nigga, right? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't think we needed any more time on Jeremy. This is just me thinking that I had this good list of discussion put together, and I'm like, wait. We're talking about nine tight ends, Paris Campbell. It's Pierce gone on Strong, too long. Like, it's gone on way too long. Yep, no, pair that. Be a little more selective next time, man. That's that's where I'm at with that. <laughs> Should have been a little more selective. We learn. <laughs> We're always learning and evolving. That's, oh my God. We're always like, congratulations. That's an hour of things nobody wanted to hear about. <laughs> other, than, <laughs> other than Marlon Mack and Just put in a timestamp. All right, Ryan, describe your uh, My your founder S racist beer. What do you call it? A founder's beer, totally. Oh. Unravel IPA. It comes in at six point six fifty Um, it's supposed to taste mostly a juice, like a juicy IPA, but I don't taste like that. I taste more of like a West Coast slash with a little bit of like earthy taste to it. What's the can on date? What's the bottom of the can say, Ryan? Uh, five three twenty two. It's not good when it's it's still. A, I mean, it's a month and a half old. It's supposed to be juicy. I mean, if it's supposed. I mean, it's not supposed to be a hazy though. It's just supposed to be a juicy IPA. Yeah, but it kind of like has I wonder a if, of like hazy to it. I wonder if what fruit. I don't know if I don't think they use any fruit in it. So I bet you they did dry up a little bit. Yeah, it is dry hop. But it's not supposed to be a, a flat-out hazy, so I understand why it's more balanced. Dan, go ahead. Oh, yeah, my turn. Again, I'm drinking Evil Horses Lug Wrench Lager. Um, this is just like your classic uh, your classic American lager. It's uh, a lot more bready, a lot more uh, Captain Crunch style, um, more of a backbone to it little more of that malt to it so it drinks extremely light and uh it's something i was very happy that they were able to give me some cans when we left for tasting um if you ever get a chance up in the chicago area or if you're downstate because i do uh distribute downstate in illinois uh pick yourself up some evil horse very good beers all right i'm bringing a chocolate peanut butter white stout from duquois haven't had a lot from duquois overall it's what you Body wise, it's about what you'd expect from a white stout. It's full, it's creamy, it's um still lighter than an actual stout though. It doesn't drink heavy. Um, color wise, they're absolutely right there. Um, the coffee comes out underneath a bit. It's pretty peanut butter heavy up front. A uh, little bit of chocolate. It is sweet. It's like you know, I honestly prefer it to a lot of the regular chocolate peanut butter stouts I have because of the lighter malt bill allows some of the adjuncts to show a little bit more, allows the peanut butter to pop a little bit more, allows the chocolate to pop a little bit more, allows the coffee to pop a little bit more. Um, it actually makes it a really flavorful d- dessert beer. So 
Um, overall, did a, a really good job with this white stout. Not an official style, but one of my favorite styles. Um, and I think they they nailed this, getting the body right while keeping it very drinkable and letting the adjuncts shine in it. That's what the white stouts are all about is adjuncts. Got my beer review stuff. Don't worry, Ryan. I would say it for a while. <laughs> we'll get there. I mean, I, I had an excuse, though. We had the same beers on for two years. And he always went last. And I always went last because. Yep. Good thinking. It's good. <laughs> What's your excuse, Ryan? Going first. You would have had the same thing regardless. I, w- I would have. I would have. <laughs> I'm just fucking with beer. you. I'm like, they taste good. They're cold. Thank you. They're cold. I mean, <laughs> you threw some. It's earthy. It's balanced. You you know, you threw some key terms out there. It wasn't just, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's true. You know, you, it's you good. High notes. All right. Let's talk Scott Fishbowl. Um, so, Ryan, we're going to feature you in this segment as a as a first timer. You didn't know exactly. we were. But, uh, you know. De-virginize de- de- me here. Let's go. Well. I could just open it up to you. As a first-timer, what are some things you're thinking about? What questions do you have? But first, let me go ahead. I'll give you a chance to think about some of that and how you want to phrase some of that and give a little overview for those that don't know. Scott Fishbowl is a massive charity league ran by a name by the name of Scott Fish. He was the nicest guy in the fantasy football in- industry. Um, it has grown massively over the years. I think it was 1,200 teams when we first started. It is more than doubled now, as this year will be 2,400 to 3,000 teams. It is... 200 to 250 leagues all playing they come together into one playoff round for uh, one division championship so it's all divided up into 12 team leagues it is super flex with a kicker and yeah three wide receivers two running backs super flex uh kicker tight end premium uh so 11 total starters uh there's three flex and a kicker on on sleeper instead of floor flex. Uh, so a little different between the sleeper leagues and the MFL leagues. But anyway, that's new this year as they are doing some leagues on sleeper. A little different ro- roster structure. Um, all it, the live drafts will be on sleeper, and Scott is going to mirror them. Yeah. That's what, that's what he's working on. So um, other things to note, there is no trading allowed. Everything is fab. There's no... Sa- uh, no stat corrections, and they are doing a weekly game against the median this year, which is a newer trend in fantasy football, where you have two games a year, you have two games a week. Sorry, you have one game against your actual opponent, and then you have another game against the median score of the league. So that helps balance out. Like, if you get blown out by the team that scored the most points that week, but you still scored high. You're going to come out of that week one and one. It doesn't quite hurt you as much as if, you know, you got blown out and that median scoring just isn't there. It's a way for competitive balance and to take some of the randomness out of it. Uh, a lot of platforms have added support for that. I don't think any of us have implemented it yet. Um, some other things that are, are notable are the quarterback penalties in this are, uh, quite a bit. Looks like you tweak those scores, the scoring a little bit, um, to where there's just a bonus for being over, a a certain completion percent and a negative if you're under it. Um, but basically it's half point per completion, one point per incompletion. Um, so 
quarter and four points per an interception. So there's a lot of quarterback differences there. Um, there's also points per first down, uh, and as I mentioned, tight end premiums. So, um, little different scoring, little different format, um, and a massive, massive, massive tournament. So Ryan, now that I've been talking as a first timer, said you didn't have a lot of experience there. What are some things you're thinking about? What are some things on your mind that, that we as, uh, you know, four and five year Scott Fishbowl players might be able to help you out with? So the first thing I did is like I was kind of like researching it myself, trying to figure out. All right, it's twelve teams. Where do, where's the optimal area to pick in? You know, to kind of figure out how to build that balanced team out. And everything I kept reading was between picks four and pick six. So what I did is was in my group I went in and picked uh, the fifth position to kind of figure out where to go at. And then because I'm kind of thinking I'm like, all right, with the points per completions and everything with quarterbacks, I'm gonna want to go quarterback first, right? So that's why I kind of want to get the fifth pick so I can guarantee myself almost a one of the top-end quarterbacks. Sure. So what we've seen in the past is that, first off, that's another thing that they do that not a lot of leagues do is a third-round reversal. So there is a third-round reversal in this one, um, which basically means that in the third round, things are going to – it's a snake draft, but in the third round, things are going to flip over and then stay that way for the rest of the draft. So that's kind of where the – pick in the middle comes from is that you don't flip in the third round. You stay exactly where you're at. Um, now Dan and I both picked three last year, I think. Um, and I think we both ended up in the playoffs and I made it, I made it to the, I think the first two weeks of the playoffs. And if I remember right, did we both go tight end first round? We both win Travis Kelsey. Um, we went, it was kind of similar. I think I punted wide receivers for probably too long. A little longer than I did. Yeah, I went, uh, I had two tight ends, two quarterbacks, and I think maybe a running back already drafted before I went. My first receiver, which happens to be Jamar Chase. So, I mean, it worked out kind of there. But there's a, there's, a, right, I'll tell you this. There, there's so much strategy that goes on. And what Scott Fish, I'm not sure if I permission this, but most people can pick their draft selection, which is also extremely unique because everyone tries to find that optimal value spot. And what we end up finding out is, is that luck of the draw. Like, yeah, you go where you think your first tier ends and maybe go there. There's also a lot of, I mean, there's over what, you know, 2,400 people. There's going to be a lot of different strategies too, and that was another reason why I went pick five because you know, like you guys said with the third round reversal, you know, I'm only really shifting one position over. Yeah, going into the third round, so I, I'm not like losing that much value going from fifth to seventh. Yeah, you go to eighth. Eighth. Uh, you should you, you should go from yeah, fifth eighth. to eighth. Yeah. yeah, fifth eighth. I'm sorry. Yep, fifth to eighth. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking because I'm looking at the mock we just did with uh, FF Faceoff on it, where I did pick five at right now. Who did you take at five? I took Patrick Mahomes at five. Five? Yeah. Who was the first four that went? Do you have the mock up? I can probably yep. pull it up too. But... Yep, I'm looking. I'm looking at it right now. I have okay. Uh, jo- so Josh Allen went one. Okay. Jonathan Taylor at two. Herbert at three. Kelsey at four. 
Okay. See, so it is. It, I mean, Kelsey will again be a popular top five pick. Herbert going that high was a little surprising. I, uh, funny enough, on KTC, which is more for Dynasty, Herbert has now surpassed Mahomes. Huh. Yeah, QB two. I, I have I have Herbert as my QB two right now too. So I'm not gonna lie. It's a little interesting. Um, I will say that one of my strategies was to come out with two quarterbacks in the first four rounds. So that that was. As I looked at it last year, and I think it'll be a lot of the same this year, that was kind of where I wanted to be. I wanted two quarterbacks and a tight end within the first four rounds because of that tight end premium. All right, and that's exactly what I did because in the second round, I came back and I took Aaron Rodgers based on the amount of interceptions he throws because with the interceptions costing so much and him not throwing as many, I kind of took that as a bonus. It's fine. That's what carried me last year was going Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, he still had – Devonte, then. Yeah, yeah I mean, so, I, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. So with the loss of Devonte, I took Jones and Aaron Jones in the third round. Yeah. To pair him up with Rogers. Sure. And you know the thing with running backs is that running backs kind of end up a little bit devalued in this a lot format. Of get they, down. they bring that it pushes them down because it's six point rushing touchdowns for every position, six point passing touchdowns. For the quarterback position. And you do have one point for every 10 yards rushing, but in half point per first down, but you also have half point per first down, one point per 10 yards receiving on the receivers. So there's not really a lot of variance there. And then when you add the extra half point to tight ends on both, it really pulls everything kind of together. So it does push running back values down a little bit from, from what we've seen. It's, you know, the biggest difference is that quarterback values and tight end values get elevated a little bit, especially quarterback values. It's already super flex. And then you throw in all the heavy penalties that it really elevates there. Um, the other thing this format does is that because you get the rewards that you get for completion percentages is it kind of devalues players like LMR Jackson that, you know, isn't a high completion percentage passer. Oh, did you guys see like Heath Cummings tweet? He had a tweet where he said Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen almost had the same completion percentage. Josh Allen, I mean, it's Lamar Jackson will again be, I think, will then will be a value. I mean, he's been sixty-four plus besides his first year, which is, you know, whatever. I think. I mean, last year was pretty rough for him, but, even before the injury. But and Lamar- where did Pitts? Where did Pitts go around? And Lamar Jackson, though, Josh Allen going that high in that format, I think, was a little overvalued, by the way. Just just throwing that out there. I don't think Josh Allen's the one in an SFP scoring format either. Pitts went right after my pick at 2 9. So, so that's where the big thing for me is, is where Pitts and Kelsey go. It's like, what's the, the biggest difference? Because what I found out in what I found out in my draft last year is that I, I probably didn't need to go Kelsey because you'll see guys get pushed. You'll see tight ends get pushed. There's also one thing to note that Hopper didn't mention. I, I don't believe it because this is a massive tournament. Yes, you're playing against the same 11 teams for the first 11 weeks of the year, but you're also drafting to try to set yourself apart. Getting there is the most important thing, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. But you, you will see strategy. You will see people going in a direction that makes no sense. 
We had a guy last year in my draft that didn't take a quarterback till like round six or seven. Yep. Like he went, he went five straight receivers. Like in this mug, I didn't, I didn't take a wide receiver till round seven. That was me last year, too. And and it's all about it's all about you know finding those what makes sense you know for you, you know for listeners out there too. You're gonna get a lot of Scott Fishbowl talk. You can get a lot of ro- roster yeah. construction talk, especially if you're in it and that's good information. Um, you're gonna hear a lot of different strategies though. You're gonna hear a lot of different, you know, ways, and that's because you're trying to set yourself apart outside of the 11 teams you're gonna be playing throughout that year. And that's your, you're going to get a lot of reaches. You're going you're, you're gonna to see a lot of different decisions made, but that's what makes that's what makes this so much fun because you can get six, seven, eight people in your league all with different draft strategies, all thinking they have the best team as soon as they leave the draft. Yeah, I tried doing the same thing because I was trying to see like because I went within the first five rounds, I went with two tight ends just to see what it would look like and build from there. So I was able to get Darren Waller and then TJ Hawkinson to follow that up. That's a possible flex play. Yeah. Um, the other, one of the things that you have to decide in this format too is what do you do with kicker? Um, that was a hot topic last year. It was a <laughs> oh hot God, topic oh last God. year. And it is, <laughs> do you roster a kicker? And if you roster a kicker, do you start a kicker? And I was of, because the kicker scoring in this is unique too, and it's actually something that I've adopted. It's it's one point per make, but then it's frag, it's decimal scoring for field goal yardage. So if you draft Justin Tucker and he hits, you know, three fifty plus yard field goals in a game, you just got eighteen points minimum just based on that alone out of your kicker. And is that better than the guy you're going to pick off waivers to start in your flex on a bye week? Or is that better than, you know, if you get hit with injuries, some of these replacement level players you're going to pick up? And I think, you know, arguably the answer is yes. Even if you hit three 30-yard field goals in a game, you know, you're at, at 12 points, not counting extra points, right? And that's very reasonable for a lot of kickers in the NFL to do. To, and you take a- elevate that high. And, you know, you don't, spend high draft capital on them but the week to week do you start or do you not there's a lot of situations where the kicker is the more valuable player to start in scott fishbowl than the replacement guy or the bench guy or the guy that you're going to pick up off of waivers did they replace the negative because that was the big that was where the big argument lied in it was there was upside to kickers but there was a massive i don't see massive negatives i don't see any negative there this year, looking at the rules, Ryan, I think they changed the quarterback scoring a little bit too to take away some of the completion percentage stuff, make it a little bit more. If you guys have your MFL, Ryan, did you get your MFL invite yet? I did. No. Okay, I would probably go back. That I mean, I would go in and look. I haven't gotten obviously sleeper yet either, but so I'm wondering if they made some negatives to that because there is a big negative for missed field goals, regardless if all for how far the kick was. I think it was always minus three. So there's yeah, always yeah. risk. There's always some risks to it. Wow. Yeah, because there's a lot of invites and some that's been out yet. There's like some areas that only have like that means he probably in it. Yeah. Well, with them still well, figuring no, out divisions, that updates so when you that page updates when you um 
Oh, you mean a lot of like invites to not the MFL invites, but the actual Scott Fish invites? Yes. Yeah, the actual Scott. Yeah. Yeah, because that page updates whenever you. Uh, I just got to refresh it. I'm looking at the rules from and last see, year. Yeah. If the league invites haven't been sent out yet, we won't know what the what the full scoring is going to look like. Like some of the smaller ones, I'd be, I would be surprised if you took off the negatives, because then you, then there is, then there's no risk to playing a kicker. If you don't get any negatives outside of them not kicking a field goal that game, maybe we we'll want more kickers. Maybe that, because that changes our, that'll change the conversation. Then you'll want a guy like Tucker, who constantly kicks. You know, I feel like forty plus every game. And he went in the eleventh round in our draft, in our mock draft that we did. He went at eleven one. So that still feels early. So it was, yeah. The, some of the quarterback penalties look like they've been pulled back because you were one. Yeah, because it was negative two per interception. So if you threw a pick six, you actually lost a full touchdown. Um, it looks like you pulled that back. You also had penalties for sacks last year, um, and a penalty negative one point per incompletion, half point per. So the completion stuff is the same, but he took away some of the interception penalties. It looks like, um, for kicking, yeah, you had negative three for a missed field goal, negative one for a missed extra point. So either that's not on the site, or he pulled out some of the penalties. I would be looking at that because that will look like you pulled out some of the penalties for quarterbacks, too. Yeah. So those are things. Obviously, a rule of thumb is to know your league settings. So, yeah, when you get your league invites, for those of you that are in Scott Fish, obviously, please you know check what the scoring is, what the roster is. It's just get yourself uh, or any league yourself for that matter. Hey, yeah, absolutely. But. Yeah, strategies are built around the scoring, which does change a bit. It's not been the same any year we've been in it. So you do have to pay attention to that. And it really looks like you might. Some of the penalties on quarterbacks coming back is going to bring the quarterback values back down to earth a bit as well. At least the high end guys. I'll be I'll be interested to go in and look once they're up there. I know I know because he wants to mirror both scoring sets on both MF. I'm both MFL and sleeper because you don't because I mean you don't want it too much of a difference, but then I'll be you might have to, see to what they are. pull some things out of MFL to make it line up with what sleepers he, giving. So he's already mentioned that he's already mentioned that in some of his posts that he's going to be making some changes that he wasn't able to do on sleeper that he can do in MFL. So yeah. Um, what were you guys picking at? I'm picking at seven. I don't know yet. This mine's live. Oh, okay. So what's your strategy going into a hopper? So picking at seven, it's going to be, a, I, I mean, I'm still going to be looking to get quarterbacks probably within the first four to five rounds, try to get in on a running back, probably wait a little bit on, on wide receiver again, do a little bit of what I did last year. I think the one thing that might change being at the point that I'm at is, you know, there may not be an opportunity for me to jump at like an elite tier tight end depending on how this unfolds, especially in the sec- if I wait till the second round to do that. So, you know, I think my strategy is really a lot of the same to try to get out of the first four rounds with, you know, two quarterbacks, an elite tier tight end, and a solid running back that I can trust. But 
picking a little later this year than I did last year because I was picking at three last year. Um, you know, there's no guarantee that that's necessarily going to unfold that way. Um, if it doesn't, the contingency plan is that, you know, in this format, a guy like Kirk Cousins, who could be undervalued, that's traditionally had low interception numbers, high completion percentages, and is going to go to a more pass happy offense as a guy that, you know, I might look at targeting a little bit later if I, you know, there's something too good for me to pass out up and I miss on a quarterback. So, you know, my strategy going into these things is that I have an idea of what I want to do, which is I want to get out of there with, you know, two really good quarterbacks um, out of the first four rounds, of two really good quarterbacks, uh, elite tight end, and a solid running back that I can rely on that's near Belkow. Um, but the other thing is always, always, always have players you like as plan Bs and a plan B strategy. Um and target guys that might be undervalued that you might be okay with with waiting on. So when you say like your plan B, like say like all right, you're targeting this running back. What what's your running back cut off before you go to the next position? Um I I'm trying to say that like this more as like a newbie who's trying to like figure out fishbowl for, you know, that way like right. a question so, can be answered. Guys are gonna get pushed down. Like you're gonna they see are. You like not Jonathan Taylor and probably not McCaffrey. Um, the shock is is when they go. I'll say Taylor going one oh two is something that I, I I personally wouldn't do. No. I wouldn't go running back. I probably won't go running back in the first round. I probably won't either. I'll probably go quarterback in the first round. It, it'll given probably how that's be gonna a QB. unfold. And yeah. then but depending on how the tight ends unfold, I may end up starting quarterback tight end. And then we look. So the question becomes is, you know, what am I hoping for running back-wise if they go in this format? It's not really any different than what I'm hoping for in in redraft leagues. I mean, I'm okay with an Aaron Jones, a David Montgomery, a DeAndre Swift, and you get below that, then I might start to have some problems. Yeah. I mean, but there's not... The premiums at other positions in this league lift them up that it does drive running back value down and you don't need that elite tier running back quite as much. So that's why I said get me out of there with somebody solid, not elite. Somebody that's going to get carries, that's going to get work, but it doesn't have to be Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler you know, or any of those guys that are going up there. It can be Dave Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, um, you know, they... I end up with, and I'm still totally okay being there. If I've got my two good quarterbacks and a really good tight end and, you know, can go get a couple of wide receivers that are going to see volume. I mean, Ryan, okay. just, just look at the mock that you guys just did. Just look at, yeah. swift at the 102. He went four straight running backs. Yeah. You, you know, you had, you know, the realists going double tight end to start. Um, you had two running backs. You had three running backs goal or four running backs goal in the first two rounds. Something that's vastly unheard of outside of this league. It had three wide receivers go. Actually, Cup going first round is pretty daring too. But it, it, it's you. You want a quarterback. Like the importance of a quarterback is even held stronger in the Scott Fistbowl, Just outside of the fact that it's being super flex, because there's such an important and and because the differences between the top tier and the you know and those lower tiers, those drop offs are are huge 
Mm-hmm. And it's just trying to figure out those pocket points. You know, you ask where those teardrops offs are. You know, McCaffrey went it to 205. Nixon went 211. He had Barkley, Jones, Swift, Delvin Cook, third round. Yeah. Like, why Why would anyone ever take Jonathan Taylor at the top of the first round when you can get better upside in McCaffrey in the second round? You get a running back who, who could easily be the RB1 in the third round in Delvin Cook. Derrick Henry went 305. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, in Swift, three, like, there's – this is – two mocks are fun because you get to kind of see how people are going to do it. When you get into your draft, so I mean, I'm telling you, it, it's it's like a, it just hits. Like you know, the excitement's there, and the strategy that you think you have outside of the first few picks are going to go haywire. Yeah, because you're going to think a guy that you think that you've seen in every fucking mock you've done make it to your spot in the third round, go in the second round. That like it's going to happen. Maybe not that specific example, but. You're going to get stuff like that happening as early as the first few rounds. And then it'll really test how you pivot and all that stuff. And obviously, you know, as you know, you don't win Scott Fishbowl with the draft. So, yeah. Right. But you basically, I mean, for me, looking at quarterback, when you say, you know, running back where the teardrop offs are for quarterback, looking at Scott Fishbowl's scoring, I really want two, I really want two of the top 14 to feel good about it. Two of the top 12, if I can, to feel good about it. I mean, just look at just look at Anthony, Lamar Jackson, Brady. You get this chess guy, the Mimi, me, you know, Prescott and Stafford, always auction when it hurts and Wilson. Yeah. I mean, you got Herbert and Carb. You went Mahomes and Rogers. Like you may I may feel differently about Rogers, but if you like him as a top that's twelve a good way to that's do a it. win. Yeah. Yeah, that's a slam dunk. Like And it, I'm looking at I'm looking at sacks because I'm also looking at Look, I am trying to beat eleven teams, and I'm also trying to win this thing. So I, I'm and, trying to figure out boom weeks. Like, and I don't care about week seventeen back. or yeah. I'm not trying to care about who's playing fucking who in week sixteen, seventeen, like these best ball nerds are. But it's all about trying to find the advantage and, and doing some of those stacks and finding the the right teams to stack on. Um, you no, know, just you know, going back to Anthony Brady and Mike Evans, like. Yeah. That's a, that's almost a dream stack because Evans is probably going to be a top five receiver in the first few weeks of the year for six, however long Godwin's out. He got Christian Kurt in the 10th round. <laughs> I like his team. The other thing is that with the, the points for first down for, um, two. not two. Yeah, for wide receivers, that does lift some guys up. Like, you know, here's a third Renfro, right? That's going to lift some guys up. That premium is going to help elevate some of these more reliable lower tier guys, which is why you can kind of wait a little bit on wide receiver because there's going to be some guys that are tier three, tier four guys in Scott Fishbowl that wouldn't be in normal leagues because of how some of those consistency things are rewarded. But, I mean, quarterback-wise, as I look at this, you know, I don't really want to end up with a low-completion percentage guy like a Jalen Hurts. I get that the rushing floor is there. But I don't want to 
screw with that if I can help it. I don't want to end up with, you know, a first time starter like Trey Lance. I don't want to, me personally, I don't want to end up with, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence coming off of his, off of a bad rookie season or Jameis Winston or Zach Wilson or, you know, Justin Fields, Carson Wentz, some of those guys. Um, you know, I really want to end up with, you know, like a Matt Stafford paired with a, a Herbert or an, an Allen, a Mahomes, a, a Burrow, something like that. Or an Aaron Rodgers if his value falls, or even Prescott Wilson, even Kirk freaking Cousins in this type of format. Ooh, Kirk Cousins? Yeah. He'll be top seven. He will One be. of the best completion percentage quarterbacks, and he gets a more modern offense. That's a stack yeah. I really want to try to get is a Cousins. Cousins Jefferson? I mean, I mean that'd be... That's a dream. That's a true. I mean, both both players went in the second round. Uh, Cousins was on the turn. But it's funny that you mentioned the quarterbacks. You don't want. We got to go back. We got to highlight our buddy, uh, Tyler Posey, who we had on the show about a month or two ago. His three quarterbacks. His or, four or quarterbacks. All guys I listed is not wanting. Justin Fields, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, Davis Mills, and Drew Locke. Yeah, all like, guys I mentioned not wanting. That is not the way you do Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> you got it. I mean... You were I mean, dead in the water if, if that's hits, what you leave with. It's tough because he's the one, like he started off, you know, with Cup. He's got Najee and Eckler and Keenan Allen. You know, he's got a good nucleus of guys, but your quarterbacks are what's going to take you. It's not a level like, of risk you can be through, comfortable with here. Yeah, through and through, what's going to take you the most? It's going to be quarterback, especially at the top. If you have to rely on someone's relying on on Zach Wilson, uh. Watson, Daniel Jones, Desmond Ritter, and Geno Smith. Like, I don't give a fuck what my team looks like. And he started off with Taylor Mixon, Barkley, Javonta Williams. Like, fantastic running backs. Got Deontay Johnson. That quarterback Gordon. Yeah. But he Wilson, Watson, Jones, Ritter, and Smith. Like, you could go fucking negative. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, these guys, I mean, Trevor Lawrence last year. All guys were notorious in going negative. They will fucking tank your team. So it's imperative, especially at the QB2 spot on your roster, they get someone like a Kirk Cousins. So, so if you guys used to go two QBs right off the bat, first two rounds, do you guys grab a third QB later on in the draft or yeah. try to find yeah. out? Oh, yeah, you have to. But I think I think the first the seven, eight, nine rounds. That's where I'm okay with – a guy yeah, like maybe a Justin Fields that I don't want to as a top two, but that's where I'm okay with a guy like Fields that, you know, could improve and is going to have some rushing floor um, in case of, you know, injury and bye weeks and things like that. Like I ultimately want to leave with four quarterbacks, but I want two out of the top 12 and then give me another starter and then maybe a guy I believe in. Um, but, you know, when I look later, that's when I want guys that have some some rushing floor to carry on um, or, you know, like a Derek Carr, a Jared Goff that, you know, just might not go negative because they're safe with the football. Or a Lawrence, you know, type of, you know, like you're building play. off of like, yeah, you're building off of what you thought of him as a rookie prospect mm-hmm. and buying into the narrative. I'm writing off his year one because it's, it was one of the worst situations we've ever seen. You know, for a rookie quarterback, but you yeah. don't want to buy him or get him as your QB two. That it's so much. A, you're putting a lot of risk in your super flex position, mm-hmm. but you want to have a quarterback there as much as as it's humanly possible. Like that's 
that is the best upside position in I, all in all formats. I do want to try to leave with four starters if I can, or if I can't yeah. leave with four starters, three starters, and a guy that you know might win a job down the line a ritter like somebody who could start right like i mean i have to play him but i'm holding him away from because it's 24 25 rounds like it's a deep because you're not gonna go find quarterbacks on the waiver wire in this league so you got to make sure you leave the draft with enough you're not gonna find a lot on the waiver wire in this league yeah you want to have i I agree with hopper i generally go and i want to get my three quarterbacks by rounds nine ten 11 like in that like i want my yeah. third quarterback in that middle in the early middle rounds okay but it all depends yeah. on how the draft falls too like you may you may see quarterbacks yeah you got to be fluid because the thing is yeah. you could do a bajillion mock drafts and somebody's gonna in your league <laughs> just... go against anything that you've seen and we have we've done you know <laughs> 10 12 mock drafts a year and it doesn't matter how many you do somebody's gonna go against any strategy that you've seen and it's going to throw the whole draft on tilt. And your strategy is going to go out the window at some point. And that's why you got to be able to adapt on the fly and have ideas for, okay, if strategy A doesn't work, what strategy B, what strategy C, how do I pivot? How do I get myself on track and keep myself from going on tilt when one or two people ultimately go against anything that you were told was going to happen or anything that you thought you were going to see? And it will happen. Okay. Yeah. So as we like, I mean, like, I don't want to keep dragging this Scott Fishbowl area on tonight. But as we carry on, like, you know, the first strategy, like, when you kick on your second strategy, what's your next kick to go to? Like, all right, I'm going to punt this position now since it's so dead. I'm going to go to this position instead. Well, it's all about watching how they go best available. Yeah, it's all about watching the trends go. Like, you don't want to be the guy that ends the run on. You want to start the run. You want to start the run. Don't get caught up being late on a run. Yeah. And, and, it's all about feel. Like, like once the mocks are over with and the real thing starts, like it's unlike any other draft that you do. It's because that excitement's there. You'll start to see it all on Twitter. You're going to see it in a fully different mold this year. We're going to have live drafts finished before 90% of the leagues even start. Yeah, because everybody else started at the same time. You have no idea what yeah. other leagues did. Everybody starts at the same time, then you finish differently. But everyone started at the same time previously. And it, yeah. And that excitement's there. And you start to look at where like the real strategy was. Cause I played in a lot of leagues. I was never in a fast drafting league. My first two years, I had the fifth slowest and the second slowest. I've always ended but up in I fast get, leagues. I get the benefit of seeing how the NPs are falling. I also get the benefit of, of different, you know, news coming out and shit like that. And that always seems to happen during the Scott Fish. You get some major you get like one or two major news, you know, things that because it is a slow draft that happens as yeah. training camp starts. So it, it, it does, it does affect. So I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the the slew of running the slew of Ravens injury started. I think at the end of Scott towards Fish. the end, yeah, it was middle middle the was. end of the Scott Fishbowl draft, yeah. So, I mean. Start the run is really good advice, and that will be what helps you stay on your strategy is be the guy that that starts the run. Don't say like, okay, I wanted to go wide receiver here, but wide receivers really aren't dropping, and then maybe I can wait till my next pick. Because the second you think maybe I can wait till my next pick is when that run's going to happen, gonna happen and you're going to get caught up on the wrong end of it. That's what it combated. Just follow your tears. 
you know, it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to create tiers. I don't like to do rankings. I, I, I prefer to, mm-hmm. to make my loose tiers. And the best way to look at it is, is where, where, where are my true cutoffs? Where is sometimes where, you know, every now and then you get to look at where is the position, you know, cut off for me? Like, okay, I, I can't enter round 12 with only one or two quarterbacks. Like, so I have to make something happen prior to it. So, yeah. You know, shift the way you draft. You know, people are going to draft in weird spots. Maybe you're the guy that's drafting weird, and you're making other people nervous. And you can you can kind of control it that you know, and that in its own way. But mm-hmm. you're gonna have a lot of fun. All else fails. Draft Justin Tucker. All else fails. Trade for Justin Tucker. You know, you can't trade in the sleep. <laughs> I say that kind of in jest, but not really because. Again, I mean, no that's a guy that can give you Tucker. 15 to 20 points in, yeah, a week. Anyway, anything else? I just have the, go ahead. I just have the kickers for the uh, LA Rams. You have Matt Gay and Cameron Dicker. Jeez. That's our show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, check out all the FF Faceoff content at FFFaceoff.com. Uh, Beerfield podcast. I am at Beerfield Hop with two P's. Y'all can say your own social medias and call yourselves out because I'm tired of talking. At Beerfield Theory, that's me. Ryan, <laughs> make this less awkward. All right, at Ryan Miner underscore FFB. There's FF face off. Beerfield n- Fantasy. No chance. Or Beerfield Podcast. Yeah, whatever. All the same. You can find everything. I mean, you might as well talk over the outro. You've talked over every other draft.